Hello, and welcome back to episode 12 of Girl Mode. I am one of your hosts, Willa Rowe. And I'm your other host, Robin B. I'm very excited for today because we're going to talk about um, a few games and franchises that uh, I very much like and have new slash re-releases. Anyways, (laughs) Um, yeah, so so Fire Emblem Engage is out now, or when this comes out, Mm -hmm. and so is Persona 3 and 4 on like all modern consoles uh and so robin you reviewed engage i did review engage and i've been playing persona 3 uh so i think based on certain commonalities and differences between the franchise i think this will be a a fun fruitful conversation yeah i'm interested to hear about persona it's persona is one of those series that like everything i hear about it makes me think that i would really love it and then every time i start playing one of them I remember that they're all like a hundred hours long and just after a couple of hours just decide I don't have time for it. See, I, I'm just like, I want to yell at you about this because I think this is <laughs> you, so, <laughs> this is such bullshit that you've you never played Persona. You to yell at me about. Yeah. I'm going to yell at you because you've never played Persona. It's, well, it's I've, I've played a couple hours of Persona, but you can yell at me for not playing enough Persona. Yeah. Which Persona did you try? Was it five? It was five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, five's a good one to to get like your foot in the door, but <laughs> it would, I just feel like it would be such your shit. Um, I bet it would. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think that I would <laughs> love it if I started playing. So you've played, how, what, which one have you played? Have you played like the entire series? So, so this is like an interesting question. Cause like the Persona series is like, great and stuff but there's kind of like two eras of the Mm -hmm. persona series because um mostly when people think of like persona they think of like you know a game that's part jrpg dungeon crawling and part like social sim romance and like visual novel kind of like side questy stories that started in persona so persona 3 4 and 5 are like really the like social sim jrpg games and then the ones before that one and two are a little more bare bones so honestly typically when people talk about persona and how great persona is they they do mean from three on yeah yeah that's kind of the impression i've always gotten because i everything i hear is like from three on but like with that context i have played three four and five and i've like dabbled into uh but never like really finished it yeah that makes sense given like what i've heard you say about it (laughs) um so if i were to uh you know do my duty and like actually start persona where would you recommend i start or like where would you recommend people in general start those might be two different answers i don't know yeah i mean so i think they're like fairly the same answer it's there's like different selling points for each one um persona 3 is probably the most like not beginner friendly one not Hmm. because it's bad but just because it's it's a little simpler um it's a little less like because it's older it's not as user-friendly um but like for me it is still my favorite persona game um just because of the story and the characters but the kind of like story-wise for each one you have persona 3 which can be sold as like it's like a supernatural high school thriller where the main character basically like joins a group of like kids who are like uh basically like supernatural hunters um Uh four is a murder mystery game sent set in the japanese countryside and then five is like a really out there heist game essentially but typically people will say you know five is a great starting point because it is the most modern Mm -hmm. um there's just a lot to like about it it's it's like available on modern consoles it looks super pretty 
it's great to play. Um, and then four, four is still kind of like a series standout for a lot of people. It's still kind of like the highlight and it is good. There's a lot of great characters there. Four and five are, are typically where people say you should start. Um, and it's really a toss up kind of choose whichever one like looks appealing just on its face and kind of just go with it. Yeah. Um, so based on if you'd rather have like the kind of, you know, breakneck heist, you know, movie feeling or the more slow and reserved like murder mystery than choose whichever feels to you yeah i feel like breakneck heist pace might be easier to get into but that sounds exhausting given how long the game is it's it, it can be exhausting but i think it's a good investment i also think persona 5 does this really good job of like using it does feel like a heist movie where the opening is so grabbing it's like it's i think one of the best hooks in video games you start in like the middle of a heist and like this all happens like in the first 30 minutes so it's not like really a spoiler. you start in the middle of a heist and the main character gets caught by the police and then you start getting interrogated and then basically the rest of the game is like a flashback so you start like in the middle of the story and it just like gets you in right from the start because you're like oh shit well how is the game gonna lead up to this like you know them getting captured and why are they doing what they're doing it's really um it's really good and it has a really good payoff to that kind of story cool yeah five is the one that i've played a tiny bit of and it like yeah the intro is great it's like it it did grab me it's just not enough to devote another you know 90 hours to it you know what i know how much time you put into final fantasy 14 I, yeah, and elden ring it's true i could do it i could I do will it. not stand for this i kind of feel like i'm gonna take a break a final fantasy 14 break for a little bit so maybe i'll uh fill that void in my life with some persona 5 instead of doing anything productive with myself i think you should you you and zoe can be on the same train try to play. well that's the thing yeah if zoe if zoe plays it i have to play it because we have to talk about it on the podcast exactly um but like for me persona 3 is my favorite with the standout of you can play as a female protagonist in persona 3 which is the only one in like the modern series that which yeah which is, is great wild. it's very strange that they did that and then they were like hmm that's enough we're just <laughs> like, never gonna do that again yeah yeah it's really weird but like so you know i've played persona for like all these entries and when it comes to fire emblem i'm very new to the series because i got in the houses like a mm -hmm. lot of people so i've been like looking forward to your you know review and your coverage of engage to kind of like see how it follows up on three houses because like for me and a lot of people the thing that i liked so much about three houses was the social aspect but like as as has been discussed and you write about that is kind of like not there anymore but like as i understand it and you can like expand on this like three houses was like the exception not the rule it was kind of an outlier for having this social element in the franchise yeah it, in some ways like it, it certainly takes it the farthest like previous uh, fire emblem games have have some of the systems that are in three houses where like by fighting with like alongside certain allies you can build support and that like uh, gives you certain benefits in combat if you're like fighting alongside each other and it also kind of um advances like the story of the characters like lets them build a relationship and that's kind of been that element has been growing throughout the series so there are other games you know other fire emblem games where where like you know the characters have strong relationships with each other and things uh but where three houses really really like uh, expands on that is with the whole garrig mock idea which is like the academy where at the start of the game you become a professor at this like you know officers academy uh and you're able to explore this like pretty expansive keep you know that that makes up garrig mock and like talk to all of your teammates and uh you know get to know them by having like tea parties where you have to like sort of figure out what makes them tick and like 
uh, make conversation choices that like align with who they are. Uh, that stuff was not present in Fire Emblem games before. So it was a much more, um, the relationships felt more passive, whereas they were just kind of like something that you would build up just by playing the game naturally. Whereas in Three Houses, it was something that you had to focus on. Uh, and because of that, the characters felt a lot deeper uh, and their relationships to each other were more complex. And that only becomes more sort of important and more of a focal point like later in the game when uh, the sort of the sort of meta relationships between all the characters really change. So you you came onto the series with Three Houses. So as a fan of like games like Persona that have like a lot of uh, you know social sim elements, like how did that like feel to you having this uh, you know this like tactical you know RPG with the relationship elements? Like did you gravitate toward like one side of the game more than the other? Did you feel like it like worked? in a cohesive way or did it kind of feel like uh like two different games shoved together which is kind of the thing that people who were uh like came into the series earlier said about it i really enjoyed it and i thought it i thought it did feel fairly cohesive and like narratively there's something i enjoy about you know it's a story about bonding with these like students and all these mm -hmm. like soldiers around you and you know in combat the idea of like the closer you are with someone the better you're going to be able to like succeed at battle and mechanically backing that up kind of by being like well if you invest time with people you will build better relationships <laughs> and there's kind of a mechanical payoff to that um but also it's just really fun to take people to tea and like go out on basically little dates with all these characters i yeah. i love that and i'm i am basically like a bitch for a game with a calendar i love <laughs> it's so, so specific i know but like that's one of the things i really like about persona is i think the reason that i'm able to spend so much time in a persona game is because it feels like it happens in little bite-sized chunks because mm. it's it's typically like okay well you have two sections of each day you know you go to school and then you have the afternoon and so you can do like two things with people and you have to plan you have to like decide on who to spend your time with, who to like build a relationship with, uh, which, you know, builds your social link, raises your persona levels and all that stuff. And Three Houses taking that, I felt was a was a great success. And I needed that investment in character to like make me play that game more. Cause I'm I'm not like I don't hate strategy games or tactic tactics games. I I very much like them. I think they're they're very challenging and fun. They like they're fun to play for the brain to like make you think and plan out moves in a way that I don't think other games do. Uh, yeah. But having the characters in there made me invested more. And so like for me, when I think about Three Houses, I think of mostly about spending time at Garrick Mock and like hanging out with my buds and building my romance <laughs> with Edelgard and yeah. all that. Uh, Correct choice. Exactly. I mean, I just think female Byleth and Edelgard are such a great pairing. Um, Absolute power couple. My social media is like full of fan art of the two of them. I love <laughs> it. So, uh, but, so that's why I did get so invested in Three Houses. It built something a little better than some persona games with how it does mm. interact between combat and social elements because as much as i like persona games i think more and more frankly the combat is like the weaker part yeah which is like controversial of me to say i think because uh, a lot of people do like the the combat system of like persona and shin megami tensei but more often than not with persona games nowadays i'm like i i could see this as just being like a visual novel in like a really great way like i think of a persona game that was essentially just all social elements would be fantastic but three houses managed to make me invested in the combat more than a persona game because of that like narrative of well if i build the relationship it makes sense for the battlefield and it also is like if you're playing on the you know difficulties where you can lose you know companions then it's there's like emergent storytelling almost that just comes from gameplay where the battles do feel a lot tenser um 
than anything that I think I've experienced in a persona, uh, which I did think was was special. And I think they do a good job in Three Houses with like using the calendar and spacing out battles where it's like, okay, you'll have like a battle at the end of the month. So you can like watch it on the calendar and prepare, which the Persona games, there's always some kind of time element, but it's usually like you're given a dungeon and it's like, okay, you have to beat this by X date. And if you really want, you can, or not in five, because five has like stages for dungeons because it's like planning a heist. But in, in three and four, you can essentially like the second you're given the dungeon, you can complete it in one night. And then just like all the pressures off of you, you just spend the rest of your time just being like, well, I'm just going to, you know, fuck around, go on dates, go to karaoke and do that stuff, which is great. Um, but it takes a little bit of the like tension out of it, which Three Houses, I think, like executed expertly, um, which is yeah. why I did love Three Houses for that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally right. I mean, like you were saying, the the story is kind of more of the draw of Persona that, that kind of bears out what I've heard about it, because when I hear people talk about it, it's always the story and never, never the combat, which, you know, sounds like it's fine. Um, but it, it really is the story that is the draw. And I think that was very similar to how people felt about Three Houses. I mean, like you said, the combat is still great. And I think, yeah, the way that those those two sides connect, um, particularly with, uh, like, because you are acting as a professor, you're teaching, like you're, you're giving classes to your, your students that lets them like, you know, train to be better at swords or better at magic or whatever. So the the way that your units developed was was a big part of like the story and you, you you kind of started to feel more closely connected to the people who you spent more time with in class as well, which is just a great way of like all of these systems uh reinforcing reinforcing each other something i think that like that, like tactical rpgs do a lot better than than many other games is that kind of emergent storytelling thing there's just something about it where i, I can just remember moments of like like i was you know just playing a lot of engage you know two characters who I had sort of like in my headcanon decided we're like friends off the battlefield. You know, you'd have an enemy attack one of them and then I'd have the other one come in to like to kill that enemy and like save them. Uh, and that's something that like any, you know, troop in the army could have done. But because it was these two, like in my head, I can tell the story of like, oh, it's because this person saw that happening and was like, you know, so enraged they had to come over and save their their friend or whatever. Um there's just something about the 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 fact that you're controlling all these different units and you have, you know, they can work in tandem so well in kind of strategy RPGs like this that it does sort of reinforce uh, that sort of emergent storytelling stuff. Like to the point where, you know, playing Engage, I found some of the, like, the moments where I felt closest to, like, my, my characters and, like, where I felt the relationships were the most interesting had nothing to do with what the game was presenting me. It was just what I was imagining as I was playing it, which uh, is not a, a great sign <laughs> for uh, the game's storytelling. But I think it is kind of an inherent part of the of the genre that is one of the things that really makes me uh, enjoy these kinds of games. There's something that I, I really like uh, you, where you you compare Engage to basically being a Sunday morning cartoon. Yeah, that was the feeling that I had a lot while I was playing the game, um, just in the sense that, look, you know, Saturday morning cartoons can be a lot of fun. Like, this is not, you know, that's not the like the worst thing you can you can call someone like their worst comparisons to make the 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 part where that kind of came in was just in the sort of uh very repetitive and nature of the story and the i don't know kind of almost like naive way that the characters all kind of treated each other where there was like basically throughout the game you are one of the overarching stories is you're collecting all of these emblem rings which are the things that allow you to summon uh you know characters from past games and a big part of the game story is literally just like moving from area to area we know there's an emblem ring here so we need to go here and fight this army and get it back okay we got it now we know there's another one over here so we need to go fight this army and get it back and it just felt episodic in a way where it was just like you could really see it playing out where it's just like you know every week you tune into this this show 
and it's them going to a different country, you know, seeing these different landscapes and they have to, they meet a new enemy there. And, you know, th there are sort of, there is an overarching story to that, but it, the, the moment to moment, like storytelling of the game often sort of ignores the larger mysteries and, and, and story arcs going on to focus on these very, like just the minutia of these battles. There's also an element to it where it's just like, there's so much uh, of a feeling of like the power of friendship running through the story where like, I don't know, this, the story very much wants to kind of tell this tale of like the idea that by working together, uh, people are more powerful, that by isolating themselves and by chasing power, that actually is sort of like a self-defeating end because you can't actually accomplish those kinds of goals without the help of people and without forming strong relationships uh, with the people around you. Whereas the people who focus more on each other and on, um, you know, building those relationships, they actually end up succeeding in the end. And that's like a story that you can tell with with varying levels of complexity. Like that's, that's a story that resonates with me, you know, um, there's a lot of characters in the game who talk a lot about like loneliness and the need for connection and like the uh, facing rejection and not feeling um, not feeling part of a group kind of drives a lot of people to uh, to sort of to, to, to bad ends. You know, it, it makes them be cruel and, and violent, uh, whereas the people who, who feel that acceptance uh, are able to devote themselves more to others. And like that's a story that, that I, I would love to see, you know, I, I've loved a lot of things that have told a very similar story. It's just the way that this game chooses to tell it is in a very kind of surface level thing. Like people will just come up to you and say like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm very lonely because X, Y, Z. Uh, and, and, you know, whether they're people who are joining your army, they, or they're people who you're fighting against, like there is this very, I don't know, very surface level, very obvious thing of like, well, I'm bad because I'm afraid, <laughs> you know, uh, that really just just became really grating by the sixth or seventh time it happened. Uh, you kind of talk about it, but can you like expand on like what what is engaged specifically like losing since it doesn't really have the depth of social interaction that three houses have? Well, part of it has to do with not just the those the social connections being lacking, but the, the characters themselves being pretty broadly drawn. So there are a lot of characters. When I first you know started playing the game, it introduces you to a lot of characters who have very distinct like looks and personalities like they seem really vibrant especially like if you compare it to three houses which is much more of a slow burn like when you first meet people they're not like too you know they all have kind of like distinctive traits but they're they're a little more low-key a little more down to earth whereas in fire emblem engage everyone has like a really big personality and like the differences between them are very obvious uh from the start which you know made me interested i was like okay maybe they're they're gonna go for something kind of bolder this time around right but instead it just kind of ends up being like everyone feels very one-dimensional like whatever fact whatever fact you learn about a character when you first meet them that's kind of going to define everything about them for basically the rest of the game and on top of that it takes away like you mentioned the the tea parties from three houses that's not an element there anymore like when you spend time with people back at your base it really is just about uh, increasing that, that support level and getting those mechanical bonuses that you get from doing that, it, it doesn't really go too deep into the relationships. Like it still has that system where when you move up in a level, like you you go from support level C to support level B or whatever, it will play you know a short little scene where they get to know each other a little better. They're just like they're they feel rushed and they feel like there's not a ton of depth to them. Like it just kind of like you can sort of tell from the very first one of those what the last one is going to be. Like it, it's just a very linear. Uh, a linear story for all of them. And because you don't actually have to spend the time 
getting to know them and because you don't have to actually put in the work to go like like you did for the tea parties like oh i need to learn what this person likes so i know how to talk to them instead of having that you just kind of follow a path of progression like if you spend time with them if you keep giving them gifts which are very clearly labeled like who should get what kind of gift uh, you will progress your relationship and so it feels more like kind of checking things off a list as opposed to getting to know a person yeah and because of the combination of all those things the relationships that you do end up building at least to me felt pretty flimsy like even for characters that i liked i didn't feel that the relationships there were very interesting i just liked them because you know they mostly because they looked cool <laughs> it was kind of one of the biggest determining factors so yeah i mean just making it so feel so automatic and feel so impersonal just made it feel like none of the characters really really grabbed me you know or, or developed into like a personality that i found really that appealing i mean i i this is like one of the reasons why i think you should try getting into the persona series again <laughs> is because like it's it's basically the opposite of everything you've said like with with persona like all of the social links and ciders feel so fleshed out and they have such mm. interesting stories like just in themselves some of which like don't even involve you having to like or anything uh where it's just over the course of like as you watch the calendar move on and time passes you like check up on these people and you watch relationships between like the protagonist these side characters build and you it's they build out this world that's very you know it feels real and all of these characters have their own problems that are just incredibly rewarding to invest in and while there is like a, a mechanical reward for it where you know you rank up rank up your social link or confidant or whatever and increase your personas like power um, get special skills or whatever it never feels like a chore to do most of them because they're all just so fascinating and there's something mm. uh i i think really special about persona which is because it's such a long or even because it's such a long game most people don't have the same path through it with side characters and stuff because you really do have to just commit to who you want to hang out with like most people won't do every social link in fact i don't think you can do like every social link in, in one playthrough so it's you just kind of like follow your path through feels like they have an interesting story to tell and more often than not they just they do um so i i just like i am begging you to play. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll get to it one one of these days. It does like yeah, it, it's a it's a funny thing. It, all of this does sound like very compelling to me. It, it really is just just a matter of time. By which I mean like it's a matter of time until I play it, and also <laughs> the time is what has kept me from playing. It. Yeah, I mean like for me, um, Persona Three is like a standout experience, um, and Persona Three Portable is is actually a really interesting game to to like look at in the series because it is essentially like a different version of the original persona 3 that was released for the psp and in order to get the game to run on the psp they made it so that during like the day when you're not in dungeons you don't walk around the world and it's much more a visual novel well there where they will present the like the map of an area and each like place just has an interaction button huh. which it's it's a really interesting like experiment to look at because it is more of a visual novel experience but it works really well but also there's just stories that like stand out to me so much that like i think the persona series stays with me a lot and i'm such a fan of it because they're some of the more interesting stories in games like i mean i wrote an article about this um there's a character in persona 3 portable her name is sayori who is like her story has just like never left me 
because of how like it's it's equally like sad and depressing to watch but also like incredibly heartfelt and like and just beautiful um and despite the series having like the series doesn't have a good track record with like queer representation which i mean same with fire emblem mm-hmm. which we can um we should, i want to talk about engaged with with that specifically okay. but um like persona has a bad reputa- reputation with like queer characters um they really don't have any and they've had many times where they portray queerness as like problematic but Sayori's story for me is like there's no way to read it as like not queer and they're it's just I think it just shows how good these games are at writing characters that you can get invested yeah um yeah I read your your piece about her and it like it does sound really it's it's interesting that for a game that is so well known for having these these like for having terrible queer representation to have a story that does sound like that is the way that anyone would read it but to not not be willing to say that that's what it is is like fascinating and disappointing and strange but also i don't know maybe maybe kind of realistic like if if these are like young kids in high school trying to fit in uh, there's there's a good reason why many of them maybe wouldn't feel you know comfortable being out and that's probably giving the game more credit than it than it should have probably I, I think it, it it works if you want to read it that way yeah. you know there's something that I did it's like with Sayori specifically the thing I just found so interesting about it is that Persona 3 Portable is the only game you can play as a male protagonist mm-hmm. and you can only encounter Sayori's story if play as the female protagonist yeah. Um, which I just think like seeing that bond between the female protagonist and Sayori is is so so almost almost like explicitly queer. But yeah, it's I don't know. I think there are ways for like anybody to get invested with so many of these characters. Uh, I want so I want to talk to you about Engage because <laughs> there's specifically some characters that you've told me about where it's just so it's just so fascinating that so many of these franchises are just like we're not going to talk about the gays, but here's a character who's very transcoded and they have pastel blue and pink hair. Yeah, so that specific character who you're referencing is named Rosado. Uh, he is, uh, God, yeah, this game has such bizarre stuff going on with its relationships and it's like, it's just strange relationship to queerness where, so this character is named Rosado. You don't, nobody refers to him with like his pronouns for the first couple times you see him. So I like literally had no idea what, like what gender this character was supposed to be. And it was just like, it's just very confusing. So he's dressed like very femme. He has this very long, like, you know, kind of femme hairstyle. He's wearing like a pink bow and his hair is literally, yeah, like you said, it's like pastel pink and blue. Um, his whole his whole character quirk because everybody gets one is that he loves cute things he just wants to be cute um it's very like it's just such it's so bizarre because there's there's no way to look at this character without immediately thinking that he's supposed to be trans or genderqueer in in some way like the hair alone does it and then there's just this mixture of just like femme and masculine like designs going on with him it's i just <laughs> I, I don't even know what they were getting at because it is so un- it is so like inconsistent you know giving gender Me- just looking at yes him. yes he is just gender um <laughs> and inconsistent is the wrong word because it is so consistent but it's so one note that it like never develops into anything there's there's just nothing interesting happening there like this just is who this character is and there's no mention of of any of these things being uh like atypical when compared to the rest of the characters right it's not as if this is a cast of characters that is uh in general uh like genderqueer or androgynous or there's nothing in the story that addresses any of that there's a thing that i don't know you hear people say sometimes it's not a thing i hear queer people say (laughs) i want to know but that it's like the best thing you should do is just like have all these different characters in your story and like don't make a big deal out of it you know what i mean yeah. like don't reference it just let them be who they are which is like on one level okay fine like we should have characters 
in in our stories in our games who just are queer and who that's not a big deal it's not mentioned it's not like the point of their character but we don't have that <laughs> in general there are so few queer characters uh, in games in general that when you have characters like Rosado who is like very clearly meant to be like gender queer in some way and to not have it mentioned it just seems so bizarre to like go to the work of writing this character and designing this character in such a specific way and then never address it. It's just, you know, we, we don't live in a world where there's enough representation for us just to just to take this where it is. It makes me think so much of of Catalyst from Apex Legends mm -hmm. and the idea that, you know, that they've, they've talked about a bunch, like everyone who was involved uh, in her design, which is like, we wanted to make it very clear from the beginning that she is trans. And then we can proceed from there, making her into an interesting character. Like her whole character is not that she is trans, but it is extremely important that she is. So to have things like this, where you just kind of have to read into it yourself and the story just decides never to address it, it, it just feels so frustrating, you know? It's like all they had to do at this point is say Rosado is trans. Like that's, that's all you have to do. And then you have representation. Yeah. <laughs> but it's left with this weird half step where it's like, there's no other way to read this, but they refuse to say that that's what's happening. And if, if that was just like an isolated, you know, just this one character who is kind of bizarrely handled, like that's one thing, but it's not. Like it's very much not. There's a lot of, a lot of, the complexity with this comes from the fact that you can choose to play uh, a male or a female character. And so when you are forming relationships with people, uh, whether you're male or female determines like it, it affects the read, right? Because if you play as the male main character and you're talking to uh, a lot of like the women in your group will have like pretty pretty clear like romantic intentions toward you that reads as like a straight romance but obviously i played as the female protagonist and so those same lines are very queer but it never goes to the step of saying like of making the romance explicit and of saying like we're dating we're girlfriends whatever and so it again just feels like it feels like queer baiting so much because it just it doesn't take the step of saying it's a relationship um so it ends up feeling like fucking you know sailor moon you know where it's just like Oh, like these are very They're clearly cousins. like lesbians. Exactly. But it's just like, oh, we're just teammates or whatever. I think my favorite example that you told me about is um oh, what's her name? The knight Mirren. Marin. Marin, yeah. So I sent you a couple of videos. Yeah. Did you watch the one with her and Chloe? I mean it's unbelievable, right? It's like, do you want to describe what you're what you're saying? I mean, they're basically having a conversation, and it's they're flirting just so hard. That's all it yes. is. Is they're basically just being like, "You're like really cool. Do you know how pretty you are?" I don't. I don't know what to say about it. And they're basically yeah. like, "I I want to write about our life together." There's that. No, that's a different one. That was a different that's a different one. one but but also that's, pretty gay. That's Marin and you and your character talking. Yeah. Um, um, no, which again Chloe like there's Aaron, yeah yeah like uh, the one of the, the protagonists like obviously differs a lot based on protagonist but the fact that they made that the same depend no matter what gender you are like you know makes it queer but yeah the one with her and chloe it, it is it is just them flirting like and that is their entire relationship Who could be disenchanted with you chloe says i mean come on which is if someone ever said that to me that's I, I don't know what i would do and this is the character that i was telling you about before Marin. <laughs> who her, like, you know, these characters have different, like, support abilities, where if they're in combat, you know, any enemy within three spaces has their, like, crit chance reduced or whatever. Marin's ability is if there are two women within two spaces of her, they all get a combat buff. And it's called something, like, Enchanting Knight or something. like It's something about, like, knightly honor or whatever. Um, and, it, yeah, it's, like, the, both these characters, like Chloe and Marin, are obsessed with the idea of like fairy tales and knights and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's so obvious, like they have this very strong connection, like they have all these things in common. And then when you like increase, you know, you get their like support conversations, there is no way 
that anyone could interpret this as anything other than they're dating, you know? Um, and that's just what makes all this stuff so frustrating. It's like, it is there. It like, that is what's happening. But the fact that the game doesn't just say that that's what's happening makes it feel like it's trying to hide it. It's really funny because like with Persona 3 Portable, which, you know, I've been playing just now, um, like I said, it's the only game where you can be a more female protagonist and how mm -hmm. they, how they like made a lot of new content to purely escape like any, you know, gay undertones and failed, yeah. obviously, like as we know, because there's so much gayness <laughs> in this game. Just, like, we can always find some gay undertones. Yeah, but like, it's so funny because in the base game, if you play as the male protagonist, you have no social links with any of your male party members because no homo. Uh, they literally just <laughs> replace them with other characters at the school. Oh my God. And when you're the male protagonist, you romance female characters and then female protagonist, um, you actually are able to have social links with your female party members. Uh, you can't romance them. Uh, and then you can romance male characters they like made a bunch of male romance paths um that you mm -hmm. can pursue and it's just so funny to me because like instead of basically making it that you could just like pick as male or female and it's kind of interchangeable and all characters have the same interaction which could make it slightly gay they were just like no we got to make new paths yeah there's gonna be we have no to do all this work yeah to make sure the gays get nothing <laughs> and like that's worse like right that's obviously very worse very much worse like it's i don't want to give it credit for this but like Fire Emblem Engage doesn't do that. It leaves the situations how they are. And even though like no one explicitly says anything about like this being a romance, there's a lot of these relationships here that you can read as queer. Um, it would be worse if they changed it to remove any of those associations. I think what makes it so frustrating is that it gets so close. And like I said, like all it needs to do is like say what it is doing, like say the thing that you must be thinking when you're playing it, and it would suddenly become queer representation. But because they don't go that far, it just seems like they just chickened out at the last minute you know i also think it's it i think it is another one of those wrinkles that comes with having less social features though also because like mm -hmm. in three houses you can be pretty fucking gay mm -hmm. and like you know for me i think of that game as being female byleth and like having a romance with edelgard and that being like a big part of the story and in engage it just doesn't seem like there's really anything that could live up to that kind of connection no, i mean there is no romance like it there, there just is no romance um at least none that they are explicitly saying that that's what it is like it's all this reading behind between the lines stuff which god i just don't understand there is so there's a part of me like as i was playing this and uh seeing how ambiguously this stuff was written there's a part of me that goes like well okay that's not everyone is like us not everyone plays these games for the romance, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is something kind of cool about content that's written in such a way where like, if that's what you want it to be, like you can read it as being a romance. But if you're like a romantic and you're playing this game and you, you don't want the end of every storyline with every character to be romance because that doesn't feel like something that you, uh, you know, want to engage with, like that's a cool thing. Like that this, you can read this game as totally like, as totally aromantic, as totally asexual and like have it not feel jarring for you but it does that through being like having these relationships all be poorly developed right like it feels it, it, it again feels like giving it too much credit to say like because it's so ambiguous you can read it whatever way you wanted whereas like the way to do that would be to have some relationship options be aromantic and have some be queer and have some be straight and like have all this have all this variation as opposed to just making it all this big sort of ill-defined mass you know yeah so i don't know that's a that's a lot of rambling about how i wish this game was gayer i don't <laughs> i don't know what there is to to take from it but i don't know it, it's frustrating to see something that feels so queer baity i think so close to 
many of these like much better examples of representation we've had like in the past year like it just seems so jarring to go from things like apex and signalis and things like that to this where it just it just does seem like a a, a sort of cowardice on on you know the part of i don't know maybe nintendo enforced this or something but it, it just seems so disappointing that they didn't take like one more step to make it a lot more interesting for a lot of people you it's, know? it's one of my biggest problems with the persona series like mm-hmm. i very much enjoy that it's um, a series that does put a lot of like social and relationship things forward as like important mechanics but the fact that like it tiptoes around a lot of this stuff is like still disappointing um which is which is why I'm, i am very excited though for these games to get pc releases um i mean persona 4 is already on pc uh and persona 5 is now because it released late last year just because like the modding scene i think is gonna do a lot specifically for persona 3 <laughs> yeah because there's already for even the psp version there's already mods where it makes it so you can play as the fo- as the female protagonist and pursue any romance option and the same for the male protagonist i do it does make me like just want persona 6 to just lean into it yeah it's it's yeah i don't know. i hope so too i mean obviously you know i'm gonna play this game that maybe that would make me play the game actually who knows <laughs> But yeah, it, it does. It just seems so wild that, that people seem so resistant to that still at this point. You know, it's like, what's what's the harm? You're not going to I mean, maybe you would lose fans. Who knows? But like, fuck them. You're going to lose your worst fans. <laughs> like, Who cares? Yeah, I think they're two interesting series. Uh, I do still think Persona's worth worth a shot, especially if you're looking for a game like after more like three houses for the social elements um i yeah this this is one of my missions is to get you. It, it will happen one day <laughs> and and yeah like you know as down as i am on on the kind of social aspects of of engage like if you're looking for a tactical rpg like it is a great one of those just go in knowing that it's not going it's not three houses uh and it in my opinion fumbles uh, a lot of the relationship stuff but um you know there's another side of the game that is also excellent so if that's your thing you might still like it yeah um, well, I mean, besides these things, uh, besides both of us playing these games for like work and stuff, uh, have you been up to anything else fun? Uh, it, it's again, mostly been a fire realm week for me. Uh, so the, the thing I actually want to talk about this week is something that kind of just came to my attention, uh, about an hour ago, uh, which is before we started recording, uh, I saw the news that uh, Yukihira Takahashi just died today. Uh, he is a uh, he was a drummer and vocalist for the band Yellow Magic Orchestra, uh, and also released uh, some solo albums. He's like a great pioneering uh, electronic musician. Did a bunch of stuff through left like the seventies and eighties. Uh, that is extremely worth checking out. Like it's very influential and also just great on its own. Like sometimes you know when you hear people described as influential, it's like because the stuff they did wasn't that great, but it inspired a lot of people to do great things. Uh, that's not the case with Takahashi like his stuff is is also incredible like it's still great to listen to today so i was listening to a little tiny bit of it as we took a break so i could make some tea but yeah i, I just want to that's kind of a, a quicker shout out for me this week but just go listen to you can hear takahashi listen to yellow magic orchestra uh, i'd recommend starting with like so from his solo albums uh near romantic is probably his favorite of mine uh and basically everything yellow magic orchestra does is great they have one that's like self-titled uh, and there's one called BGM that's also incredible. Um, but kind of no matter where you start, like it's just like incredible electronic music. It's tons of fun. Uh, it's it's just really beautiful. Uh, so that's when I just want to shout out. Um, you know, you can hear Takahashi. He was a legend. It's sad, sad to see him go. Uh, but his music, it still rules and will rule forever. So it, it's there for you to listen to. Yeah, um, I mean, when, so you, yeah. when you found out, you were telling me how good it is. So uh, I'll probably give it a listen. Yeah. Uh, but what have you been up to? Yeah. So, you know, both 
the Persona Gate, Persona 3 and 4, and Fire, em- Fire Emblem Engage coming out uh, this week. It's like a big release week, uh, but there is another smaller game that I've been playing uh, a little bit of that I don't want to get lost in the like, you know, in the shuffle, and I've been really enjoying it. It's called A Space for the Unbound, mm-hmm. uh, which we talked about in our, you know, looking forward to 2023 pod- like podcast episode about games we're looking forward to, and we were shocked to discover it was coming out in like two weeks. Well, it's been two weeks, and now it's basically... <laughs> Basically here. Uh, we talked about it before, but it's it's this kind of like pixelated adventure game set in Indonesia um, about this kid, and it's it's very like magical realism. There's a, a supernatural element to it, but it's about these kids just in school, and it's it's a really striking game. The visuals are beautiful. The story, I'm like a couple of hour, hours in. It's it seems like it has a lot of depth to it. It's it's really tackling a lot of like interesting, deeply philosophical and like emotional things which i i like um i think it'll probably be a game that makes me cry uh which is gives it my you know seal of approval it's just like after we talked about the the troubles this game has gone through i'm very happy to see it finally released gonna be able to go into the hands of players i've been greatly enjoying my time with it it's it's a really fun switch game also so encourage people to Check it out, pick it up, especially if, you know, Fire Emblem Engage or Persona aren't really appealing to you. You know, give give a space for the Unbound a chance. It's very enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to spending more time with it. Nice. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I'm, I'm glad the kind of messed up situation I got into uh, with some other, some other, I think it was their publisher, uh, their like international publisher or whatever, kind of screwed them over a bit. Um, but I'm glad that they were still able to get the game out because it does look pretty incredible. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to play it too. Uh, I'm glad you're you're digging it. But with that, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, so as always, you can find Girl Mode wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find us on social media uh, on Twitter. We are Girl Mode underscore Pod, and on co-host for Girl Mode Pod. And you can find me on both Twitter and co-host at Robin Bombas. And I'm on Twitter and co-host at the Willow Rose. See you next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.